Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Orange and White Podcast. I'm Dan Hope, joined by Brandon Ring. Uh, Brad Senkiv is on vacation this week, so we we hope he has a good week. We know he's enjoying some time <laughs> off, so uh, we're going to be doing this one without him. But we wanted to come back to you today and talk to you about the ACC Championship game. Clemson is ACC champ for the second year in a row, and also for the second year in a row, Clemson's headed to the college football playoff. They're going to be headed back to Arizona, the, the same stadium where they lost to Alabama last year. They're going to be looking for some redemption, uh, trying to beat Ohio State in the semifinals of a Fiesta Bowl. That game's set for 7 p.m. kickoff Eastern time on New Year's Eve, and you know this this is what Clemson fans have been waiting for all year, Brandon. I mean, this is this is what has been. The goal, I know Clemson will say one game at a time, we have this goal progression, but there's no denying that this is what everyone's had their sights on all year, getting back to the college football playoff. And they've had such an easy path there, you know, it's just been just, you know, just a a smooth ride, you know, their offense has been rolling, teams, defense has been dominating, or no, there's been a lot of close games, but it's it's been a fun season, it's been just ups and downs, but hey, they're, they're, they're where they want to be right now. Clemson always keeps it interesting. They, they certainly did on Saturday. I mean, I I was watching a game in the first quarter, and it looked like Clemson was going to blow them out. I mean, they were just rolling on offense, defense was shutting Virginia Tech down. It, it looked like it was going to be an easy, comfortable win for Clemson. And what do you know, uh, Virginia Tech fought right back in it. You know, the, the momentum of the game really started to change uh, going into the second half. And, you know, Virginia Tech made it a close game. And as has been the case so many times this year, uh, it came down to that final defensive steer- series. This time it was Cordray Tankersley uh, intercepting a pass on fourth down to end the game and get Clemson out with another one-score win. Uh, just first of all, Brandon, just what are your you know overall takeaways from watching that game? Well, it's just it's a game that it feels like we've seen a lot this year. You know, the the offense did pretty well. I think you know they're up 35-14 in the third quarter it's looking like they're cruising the defense is you know getting three and out or three and out and it's just they're dominating and then it's you know third and nine and they drop all 11 guys in in coverage and obviously they they didn't mean to do that you know somebody uh you know i was talking to carlos watkins and he was saying that somebody was supposed to be blitzing he wasn't going to say who but someone was supposed to be rushing the quarterback he wasn't supposed to have all day you know, they had a 42-yard pass there to Bucky Hodges, who had a great matchup with Ryan Carter, you know, 6'7 guy on a, a little nickel back there. And then, you know, from there, they just keep rolling. I think they scored in three consecutive drives or a couple in a row and got it to a touchdown game. And Clemson just, you know, they find a way at the end, you know, like they have all season. Yeah, that, that was a bizarre play you mentioned there, Brandon, if at third and nine. I mean, literally Gerard Evans could have made a sandwich before he threw the ball because they put absolutely no pressure on him. And that really was, in my view, the turning point in terms of momentum of the game. Once that play happened, it seemed to take some wind out of the Clemson defense's sails. And Virginia Tech was really able to mount a run. They scored on three consecutive possessions and ended up making it a one-score game. Uh, and, and the Hokies defense really stepped in there too. Uh, they yeah. they they stepped up, and you know Clemson had some some issues with penalties. I think Mitch Hyatt had like three penalties. He had like he holding did. and two false starts. So it, was, it was kind of a rough night for him, and he's he's had kind of an up and down season. And it seems like as the game went on, that the Virginia Tech's defense really settled in, and especially up front, it, it seemed like they really started putting more and more pressure on Deshaun as the game continued. I believe Deshaun completed his first 10 straight passes. So 
early in the game, they really weren't getting to him. He was in a rhythm. But as the game wore on, it seemed like those guys up front were, were putting more pressure on him and, and making it more difficult for Deshaun to execute the offense. Yeah, and in a, in a big game, we saw Deshaun step up in the run game again. You know, it's, he had his uh, tied his season high for rushes with 17, had his second highest rushing total of the season. So he knew that he had to run the ball, and he was able to run effectively. You know, it wasn't a really a big game for Wayne. It was it was really where Deshaun was featured. Yeah, we, we, we've talked about this all year about Clemson's issues in the run game and Deshaun not running the ball as much. It's, it seems like they're starting to do what they want to do there. I mean, but it seems like the past few weeks since that Pitt game, it, it seems like they've really started to make more of a commitment to that zone read and the quarterback run. And, and you know, as we've talked about before, I, I think that's something – it's going to need to continue to work, especially going up against a defense like Ohio State in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it's they Deshaun has to run for this team to win big games down the stretch, and you know they were in position to win against Alabama last year because of Deshaun in the running game and what he was able to do, the the pressure that he puts on a defense, and you know that's what they're going to need against Ohio State for sure. You know, I thought I thought a you know a couple other things that were interesting. I mean, just kind of some of the the balance of the offense, like you mentioned. Wayne Gallman didn't have a big game. Mike Williams really didn't have a big game. I mean, early on, Artavis Scott seemed to be the go-to guy. Jordan Leggett made two big plays for touchdowns. Uh, even C.J. Fuller got some running there and looked pretty good doing it. So it, it, it seems like finally down the stretch, Clemson's starting to get a better handle on how to use all this talent. It seems like early on in the year, uh, they were so focused on getting Mike Williams back in the offense they didn't quite know how to make everybody work as one. But it, it seems like as we're getting into the playoff here, they're getting better and better at figuring out how to spread the ball around and utilize this wealth of talent they have. Yeah, what stood out to me was the, was the balance in the passing game. I mean, five different receivers had at least three targets. Eight different guys had a catch. Yeah, you know, two really big uh, catches for Renfro and Kane downfield. Uh, Renfro had another one of those sort of full extension catches. Uh, Artavis Scott was getting some tough yards. He was targeted a lot. So you're seeing all, them able to get all those guys involved. There wasn't a, it wasn't as big a day for McLeod, but I think he had a catch. So they, they're, they're using all those weapons, and uh, I think it just shows how in tune this offense is going into the playoff. I mean, they're right – where they want to be at this time of year. We did see Watson throw his 15th interception of a year. I mean, interceptions have been a problem all year, but that came on a tipped ball. Yeah, it was defensive really. end for Virginia Tech. Tipped the ball up. That was more on the offensive line than him. Um, I, I would say, though, in my estimation, I, I think Deshaun has had his two best games of a year of the past two weeks. Yeah, I mean, he's 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 running the ball well. He's, he's finding his receivers, and you know, one of the problems early in the season, and Dabo talked about it a lot, was the drops. The receivers are making plays now. They're making big plays. I mean, some of the catches, I mean, Deshaun's putting it on the money, but, you know, Mike Williams is making catches over guys, and Renfro is going full extension, and Kane is downfield, you know, making big catches that maybe he dropped earlier in the season. So it's, it's a combination of both Watson's playing his best and his receivers are playing their best right now. Sean, you know, or certainly early in the year, didn't quite live up to expectations. Now I think he's put himself right back in that Heisman race. We're, we're going to get back to that here at the end of our show and talk about the decision voters have uh, ballots due today uh, in terms of 
who do you vote for for the Heisman? Is it Deshaun Watson? Is it Louisville quarterback Lamar Jackson or someone else? We'll get to that in a few minutes, but continuing to wrap up this ACC championship game. You know, if I'm the, the defensive side of the ball, I, I thought Clemson's defensive line, you know, really did a good job in this game. Maybe started to get wore down a little bit in the second half, but you know, I thought one thing they did really well in this game was, you know, just just the coordination among among the defensive front. The ends were doing a good job bringing pressure from the edges, and you know, someone pointed this out on Twitter, and I, I noticed it after he told me that. Notice with Evans, as soon as the, the defensive ends would close the pocket on Evans, he would he would drop his eyes and look to run. And, and Dexter Lawrence and Carlos Watkins really feasted on that on the inside. Yeah, it was a big night for Carlos Watkins and Dexter Lawrence. And you know, towards the end of the game, they were able to Virginia Tech was able to run run pretty much on those last couple. Even on that last drive, they were able to run with Evans. You know, Evans knew that he could get some yards that way. So it's I think they did wear down once. Clemson was the offense was you know stumbling a little bit in that second half, but when they needed to make the play, when it got to the red zone and you know Virginia Tech could have tied that game, they were able to put pressure on Evans, and Evans's throw was off the mark, and then Tankersley was able to intercept it, and so they once again made the play when they needed to. Cordray Tankersley, he he gave up a couple plays early in the game, I thought, but ended up making some really big plays in this game. He, he had two interceptions. His, his first interception was a beauty. It was, you know, right on the sideline, got both feet in. Uh, when he's going into the NFL draft this year, that's going to be one of those clips that his agent makes sure that all the teams see. Um, and his second interception didn't really need to be an interception. It was fourth down, so Clemson would have won the game either way on an incomplete pass. But, you know, we haven't really seen Cordray make a lot of big plays this year. A lot of times teams have thrown the ball away from him. I think in this game they said, we're going to go right at him. And they had a little success earlier in the game, but Cordray ultimately won the war. Yeah, we talked about in the podcast last week just all the the receiver matchups and how the Hokies just had so many different guys. They had Bucky Hodges, this big tight end. They had Isaiah Ford and and Cam Phillips and you know Tankersley. I think was on Hodges at, at some points in the night, and he was on Ford at some points, and he was able to you know switch between those guys and make some big plays. Yeah, I, 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 the guys I really thought were going to cause Clemson problems were Bucky Hodges and the fullback Sam Rogers. Hodges only had 42 receiving yards. Rogers only had 36. The, the guy who, peop, not me, but other people noted was probably the overlooked guy, and they were right, was Cam Phillips, who ended up leading Virginia Tech with 12 receptions for 92 yards. Yeah, they kind of used him in sort of a Artavis Scott-like role, and they used him effectively. Moving forward now, you know, Clemson, they've had, it's been an interesting year, like you mentioned, Brandon. I mean, I actually did, a, did our cover story that's going to be coming out on orangeandwhite.com and in our print Orange and White on Tuesday, uh, just looking back at how the season has gone. And Clemson, they personally think they're better than last year. If you, if you ask the coaches, if you ask the players, they think, despite the fact that they're 12-1 and this year, when they were 13-0 and last year, they think that they've played better this year. Brandon, what do you think about that? <laughs> it's, it's a tough question. I think, in some aspects, they're just a different team. I think that the offense is configured a little differently. Uh, the offensive line is, is taking some steps forward, some steps back. The passing game is obviously a, a bigger feature this year, I think, than last year. But when you show, you know, when you have Deshaun Watson uh, getting big yards in the running game, 
down the stretch and you have Wayne Gallman having some big games, I could see where you could say that they're playing better right now going into the playoff than they were last year going into the playoff. I don't know if you look at the body of the season and say clearly they're better than last year, but I think that it's there's a very good argument for saying that they're playing better right now than they were going into the playoff last year. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I mean, I think, you know, certainly first instinct is to say Clemson was better last year. Uh, they had a better record, first of all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also think part of that was last year we didn't go in with these kind of expectations. We didn't go into last season expecting Clemson to be one of the best teams in the country and make the college football playoffs. So we maybe overlooked some more of their deficiencies more than we would have this year, where I think we really kind of focused in on their deficiencies. If you look at the numbers, Clemson has scored more points this year and allowed less. So there's a case to be made that they've played better. Uh, even the turnovers, which has been one of their weak points, they actually have a better turnover margin than they did last year. So there's a case to be made that Clemson's played better. I don't, I don't think you can say that definitively the way the Tigers themselves do. But here's the deal. They have a chance to prove it. They're in the playoff again. Last year they won one playoff game. Uh, can they win two this year? Most likely, the road to a national championship is going to go through Alabama again. Yeah, that's and that's a, that's a tough road. I, I mean, they just thoroughly destroyed Florida in the SEC championship game, and, and no one from the SEC East was good this year. But they, everyone in their path, they've destroyed, and uh, it's that's that's going to be really tough. Al- Alabama, number one seed in this year's college football playoff, they'll play Washington in the Peach Bowl on December thirty first at three o'clock. Uh, I, I think Washington's good enough to to compete with Alabama, but at the end of the day. I'm just not picking against Alabama at this point. Well, I mean, Alabama's basically playing on a home field. Like, I, I don't know how many Washington fans are going to be in Atlanta. Uh, Bama fans are going to be, you know, swallowing up those Definitely tickets. Definitely a home and, field advantage. And, you know, they're, they're, they're by far the more talented team. I mean, Chris Peterson is a great coach. It's a great coaching matchup. You know, Peterson's had some great bowl wins with Boise State. He hasn't had you know as, as many as much of that track record with Washington just because they haven't been on that stage. He's been building that program. It's it's going to be a fun game, but I think I think Alabama wins. Yeah, I, I think Washington has has some very talented players. I think offensively, you got Jake Browning at quarterback, Miles Gaskin at running back, John Ross at wide receiver. Uh, defense, I think they've got the best secondary in the nation. Uh, Buda Baker, Sidney Jones, Kevin King, those guys are all NFL players. And uh, Rapp was the Pac-12 defensive freshman of the year. So I think they've got some really good players. I think the area where Alabama's going to win that game is the line of scrimmage. I think both offensive and defensive lines, uh, that's where Alabama's got an advantage. They're bigger, they're stronger, and I, I think that's where they'll ultimately win this game. Yeah, and they've been on the stage so much, and Nick Saban is, is used to coaching these big games, and it's just I don't see that they have what it takes, like like what Ohio State had a couple of years ago to beat Alabama in the semifinals. I don't think they they have the talent level that Ohio State had, and it's they're just going to have to play out of their minds to get that win. Now, we know Clemson wants to play the winner of that game, but if they want to do that, they've got to beat Ohio State first. Uh, you know, it, I think it's going to be a really good matchup. I mean, this, this is a matchup that I think a, a lot of people are going to tune into relatively the, the, the New Year's Eve. We know that's going to hurt ratings. We saw that last year. But, you know, this is two teams that I think we're going to get a really good matchup. A lot of NFL talent uh, on both sides of the ball. 
Uh, really one of those games, my first, my first instinct would be it could go either way. What are, you, what are your thoughts on the matchup so far? It seemed like the the consensus from the the Clemson players was that they're they're very similar. The the two teams have a similar profiles. They're kind of flipped in efficiency on offense, where Ohio State's been more efficient running the ball, less efficient passing, and the, the vice versa for Clemson. Um, you know, Ohio State's defense. You're know, looking at it, they're very similar to Clemson in terms of stati- statistically. I don't know if they have a freak like Dexter Lawrence in the in the middle of the line there, but I'm sure they're their D line's pretty good. Uh, I, you know, both Clemson and Ohio State kind of lost at the right time. You know, they they were they lost early enough in the season where it didn't hurt them at the end, and they they finished strong, got big wins at the end of the season. So it's I think it's gonna be a really fun game, a fun matchup in terms of just programs, and they're they're very familiar with each other. They've worked with each other in the past, and they played each other a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned that Clemson beat Ohio State in the Orange Bowl in 2014. Uh, this is the third matchup between those two schools. Clemson's two and zero in history. Uh, the first game between those two schools, of course, most famous for Woody Hayes's mm-hmm. punch that ended his career at Ohio State. Um, so some history between these teams. They've only played in bowl games. Uh, I think we're going to have a good matchup. To me, if there's one area that stands out to me on first look as an advantage for Clemson is that I don't think Ohio State has the same kind of downfield passing team that Clemson does. I, I think JT Barrett has struggled when he's had to throw the ball down the field. Uh, his receivers aren't that good, and I think that's for one area. If Clemson has an advantage, it's that they have more ability to move the ball down the field in if this game becomes a shootout, that probably plays into Clemson's favor. Yeah, I think Clemson, just looking at, at the numbers and, and what you're talking about, I think they're going to try to contain the running game. They're going to try to make JT throw it downfield. They're going to, you know, they're going to they're sort of sit on those, those quick passes and, and whatever jet motions or whatever they might use. I, it's, it's just a, a matter of can Clemson stop the run? If they can stop the run, then... It's just it feels like a matter of time that the Clemson offense will break through against any defense. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see, as we've talked about all year, you know, what's Clemson's balance offensively. I mean, if Ohio State watches that pit tape and uses that as a blueprint, they're probably going to try to stop the run too and force Clemson to beat them through the year. I mean, Ohio State. I talked about Washington having maybe the best secondary in college football. You can make that case for Ohio State, too. They've got a fantastic secondary. So it's going to be interesting to see how Ohio State decides to defend them. Well, you don't think they'll, uh, Watson will throw for 580 yards on the Ohio State defense? I don't. I don't think he'll throw for 580 yards on the Ohio State defense. Uh, but I'm sure we'll be reminded of the fact that he has again because Dabo has enjoyed bringing him out at one up. Yeah, it's, it, they didn't need to run the ball that game. They were able to throw it all day. That's a good segue into talking about the Heisman Trophy that's coming up this week. Uh, you know, it's the finalists are going to be announced here Monday night after we record this podcast. So hopefully we're not talking about something that's irrelevant, but I don't think we will. I, I think it's pretty safe to assume that two of the players invited to the Heisman Trophy ceremony are going to be Louisville quarterback Lamar Jackson, Clemson quarterback Deshaun Watson. Uh, I mean, to, for, first of all, to me, I mean, those are really probably the only two candidates at this point. I don't, I don't really see anybody else who has a chance. Would you agree with that, Brandon? Yeah, I don't think there's any like 
like standout running back this year where you know that's that's been an award that might go to one of them but just nobody that just stands out in your mind there and Watson and, and Jackson's numbers are just seem like they're way above the crowd yeah I mean I think you know Oklahoma maybe Oklahoma wide receiver D.D. Westbrook quarterback Baker Mayfield mm-hmm. maybe one of them gets invited uh Donnell Pumphrey from San Diego yeah. State's probably been the best running back but I think just the fact that he played for a smaller school uh, is going to hurt him. And what I'm going to really be interested to see is if any defensive players get the invite. Alabama defensive end Jonathan Allen, Michigan's Jabril Peppers, uh, USC defensive back Adoree Jackson. They're all guys who should get some votes here and there. Be interested to see if any of them get a, get a trip. Yeah, I mean, defensive guys are always undervalued in this award, and it's just it's just so hard to quantify what they do on the field and the, the, they can have good stats but maybe those stats don't show all the what they do where with a quarterback or a running back or a receiver everything they do is registered in stats you, you know what they're how how well they're doing so it's it's an award that's definitely stacked against defensive players ultimately we expect this award to come down to lamar jackson and deshaun watson now if you ask any clemson fan you ask anyone within the clemson football program they're going to tell you it's an easy choice. It's obvious. Deshaun Watson's the best player in college football, and he should win this award. But here's the reality. If you ask people nationally, most of them still expect Lamar Jackson to win this award. Uh, I think there's a case to be made for both. I think you know Deshaun certainly closed the gap the last two weeks. I, I think if you, you would have asked this a month ago, it, it was Lamar Jackson was still so far ahead of the pack and Deshaun didn't really have a chance. You look at the last two weeks, he had a great performance against South Carolina while Lamar Jackson fumbled the ball numerous times and Louisville lost to Kentucky. Then Deshaun goes out has another great performance against Virginia Tech, leading Clemson into the college football playoff. I think certainly in terms of team success and in terms of what Deshaun's done this year as a passer, I think there's certainly a case to be made. But I do think that ultimately, in terms of this being an individual award, uh, you're, what, what's going to make the difference here is the discrepancy in their rushing numbers. I mean, J- Jackson, in terms of what he's done as both a passer and a runner, has been historically great in terms of his individual achievements. And I'm just not sure that Deshaun has done enough as a runner, has done enough to overwhelm anyone statistically to win this award. It, this award always comes down to how do you define it? Is it the most outstanding player in college football? Is it the the best player on the best team or one of the good teams? You know, like with Deshaun, I think he's the best slash most valuable player on an elite team. Where Jackson is has the most outstanding numbers of any player in the nation. I mean, he has almost five thousand total yards, and he played one less game than Deshaun. He has like six hundred more yards than him. You know, he's only had, Jackson really only had one bad game this year, and it was Kentucky, where he had some fumbles, had some interceptions, and they lost. He couldn't really, it wasn't his fault that his defense was horrible against Houston. His defense was not great against a mediocre Kentucky team. Uh, You know, head-to-head, they both had really good numbers. Uh, You know, Watson really never had any awful games. Uh, Pittsburgh was kind of a curious game. You know, he had the interceptions. He threw for 580 yards, but he had three interceptions. He, you know, only had eight rushing yards and only had a long of eight rush of, of eight yards. So he didn't really take the mantle of running the ball in that game. 
and that was one of some of the criticisms and that's why Dabo got kind of mad at the media over some of the criticisms uh, you know Jackson's in the top 10 nationally in rushing yards as a quarterback that's that's probably what stands out it all, <laughs> all the touchdowns all the yards they were Louisville was in position you know down the stretch where they were in the playoff conversation and then you know they everything just you know goes haywire against Houston and Kentucky they just didn't play very well so I would be fine with either player winning because I think Deshaun fits a lot of the criteria I think Jackson has the most outstanding stats and I think that's probably why he's gonna win I agree with that I agree with all that I I think that you know again I mean I, I I wouldn't fault anyone for voting for Deshaun Watson I think he certainly played well enough for the season as a whole to be a Heisman candidate, you know, like you said, I think if if you took the four playoff teams and you said who's the most valuable player on a playoff team, you'd pick Deshaun Watson. I don't think Clemson's in this situation without Deshaun Watson. I think he's the best player in any of those four teams, and that would be a good reason to vote for him. Uh, but typically, this award does go to the person who did the most spectacular thing individually. I mean, it's typically the guy who really stands out in terms of what he did on an individual basis, and. That's why I think Jackson will win the award, um, you know, and I, and, I, and I do think, you know, to make clear, I mean, yeah, Clemson would take, if Clemson had the choice between the two, they'd take Deshaun Watson, there's no question about it. For all we know, maybe most coaches in college football would, but the narrative that comes from pro Watson folks that Jackson is basically a running back and a quarterback's body and he's going to be a wide receiver in the NFL and all that, it's really not accurate. I mean, he, he's made a lot of good plays as a passer this year, too. I mean, it, it, it's fair to say that Deshaun's a better quarterback if that's what you think, but Lamar Jackson's had a great year, and I don't think you want to get caught up in recency bias either. You want to take the whole season as a whole, and the reality is for most of the season, there was really no argument that Watson was playing better than Jackson. Well, and Jackson is just a sophomore. You know, he's still learning. He's still he's going to be a better passer next year. He may not put up some of the crazy numbers he did this year, just because it's just hard to have such a great season. You know, so many years in a row or yes. two years in a row. Sort of what we've seen with Deshaun to a certain extent with the the running game. Uh, you know, I think with Deshaun, the problem with the Heisman vote is that a lot of people vote early. A lot of people don't count the championship championship games. Uh, you know, I think. There should be something to be said for performing well in games that with a playoff spot on the line, like Deshaun has. You know, with the the championship game, you know, with the South Carolina game, uh, even you know Wake Forest responding from the Pittsburgh game. So uh, it's just it's just not. You'd like to think that would be a big factor, but it's just it's just not reality in terms of the Heisman vote and how it's historically been. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. I think depending on when people vote is going to make a difference here. I think one report said 9% of people had voted before the championship games. Uh, that there might even be more than that. Uh, I think for the most part, the people who voted before the championship games probably voted for Lamar Jackson. I think the people who may be making, making their last-minute decisions today, they might slant toward Deshaun Watson because they just saw what he did on, on Saturday. You know, ultimately, I think Jackson will win the award. I, I think it's been his award to lose all year, and, and I just think that his statistics, he's going to win it. But I do think that Deshaun might end up getting more votes than he got last year because last year you had three 
three guys who are really considered legitimate candidates in, in Derrick Henry, Deshaun Watson, and Christian McCaffrey. There really isn't that third candidate this year. So uh, I think Lamar's going to win, but I think it's going to be pretty close. Yeah, I, I would think it, I'd be surprised if Deshaun wasn't second and if it, if it wasn't oh, yeah. a you know, pretty close vote. I mean, it's, it's a matter of how many of those early votes went to Jackson, and you would think a lot of them will. It just no matter what, I mean, Deshaun's had a great season. Lamar Jackson's had a great season. You know, if, if it goes down in history forever that Jackson's the Heisman winner, okay, whatever. But, I mean, Deshaun's playing for a national championship. And I think that's probably his mindset, too. He'd love to finish his career with a Heisman win, be the first Heisman win in Clemson history. But it's not that huge a deal in the, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I think uh, no question when Deshaun gets asked about this, before the Heisman, after the Heisman, he's going to give the same refrain. But what he cares about is winning a national championship. And my thought would be to you, the Clemson fans out there, is that's what you should care about too. If Deshaun doesn't win, uh, don't lose too much sleep over it because uh, there's bigger goals ahead. And I don't think Deshaun's going to lose too much sleep over it if he doesn't win because uh, ultimately – Every player's goal is to win a national championship, or at least it's supposed to be, and, and Deshaun's in that position. Uh, Lamar is not. Uh, so, you know, we want to thank you for joining us again here on the Orange and White podcast. Uh, lots of coverage coming up over the next four weeks of Clemson, Ohio State. We'll, we'll be back with you for another podcast again, closer to, closer to the bowl game to break down that Clemson versus Ohio State matchup even more, but... You know, we'll have lots of coverage between now and then on our website at orangeandwhite.com. Uh, pick up a copy of the Independent Mail on Tuesday for this week's edition of Orange and White. Um, later this week, I'll be in Atlanta covering the uh, coaches' press conference in Atlanta between the four college football playoff coaches, as well as the award show where Deshaun Watson has a chance to win the Davey O'Brien Award. So we'll see how that all unfolds, but we'll be covering it all, orangeandwhite.com. Follow us on Twitter at Orange and White. And uh, thanks for listening again, and we'll talk to you again soon.